Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. I don't care what your background is. I don't care if you used to be a drug addict or if you still are whatever you are or whoever you think you are. In Christ, there's no distinction. And here Peter's making that distinction. That's a problem. That's a serious problem. And he has to confront it. And he does so with a holy boldness. A holy boldness. A sanctified boldness. And it takes boldness. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Galatians. One of the most unfortunate aspects of the human race is our natural inclination to be prejudiced towards one another. Whether it's race, background, or culture, being prejudiced contradicts the gospel. In today's message, Pastor J.D. teaches us about the uniting nature of the gospel and how all are one in Christ, no matter our race, background, or gender. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Galatians chapter 2 with his continuing study called How to Solve Problems. What Paul is saying here is he's not impressed. He's not impressed with these who's who. These influential who's who people that everybody knows. These famous people. These recognized people. I uh, always like to think of myself as not being in the who's who, but the who's he. I like it that way. I'm, as I get older, I'm becoming more attracted to obscurity. I like that. But whoever they were or whatever they thought they were, they never influenced or altered Paul's preaching of the gospel. Now, that's what Paul is saying, but here's what he's not saying. He's not saying that one can't be blessed by others that are held in high esteem. That's not what he's saying. He's saying Be blessed by them, but don't be impressed by them to the degree in which you change it to tailor it to them because of who they are. Because of who they are. Now, the question becomes one of why. Why was Paul unaffected by such people? I believe it's because Paul had put aside all partiality, all prejudice, all bias. That's just not who Paul was, and he did so in order to resolve the problem. And that is the wisdom that comes from above. One of the most powerful verses, talk about practical application. This is a grid. If you're faced with a decision today and you want to know You want God's wisdom to make the right decision. You want to know what God's will is. Here's a grid that you can run that decision through. James contrasts the earthly wisdom from below with the heavenly wisdom from above. The earthly wisdom is sensual. It's evil. It's selfish. 
But the wisdom that is from above, verse 17, James 3, is that comes from heaven, is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, and here it is, impartial and sincere. You know it's wisdom from God when there's no partiality. Because again, God is no respecter of persons, nor does he show favoritism. In Acts chapter 10, verses 34 and 35, we're told that when Peter opened his mouth to preach, he said, in truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. Listen, it doesn't matter what your stature is, and it certainly doesn't matter what your race is. It's going to be every tribe, every tongue, every nation. You know what I loved about my life-changing experience visiting the Brooklyn Tabernacle in New York recently? And it was life-changing. We're worshiping. And you've got people from all walks of life. The choir, you got former drug addicts and homeless people that are standing next to doctors and lawyers. Yes, lawyers. (laughs) Sorry. But um, yeah, if you're a lawyer, I love you. God bless you. It reminds me when, when uh, many, many years ago, before I got into the ministry, I was a, a car dealer. And I remember so many times, everybody's, you just laughed, didn't you? You just laughed at that, didn't you? You know where I'm going with this, don't you? And I had many times where people would come to me, how can you be a car dealer and be a Christian? <sighs> okay, I'll become a pastor. Then I'll be a Christian, I guess. I don't know. Well, this brings us to our next one in verses 9 and 10. And it's compassion. Compassion. Here, Paul refers to what's known as the Jerusalem Council of Acts 15, which, interestingly, was a dispute that they had to resolve about this very requirement of circumcision that Paul is addressing in the Galatian churches. And thankfully, Peter, James, and John, along with Paul and Barnabas, resolved this problem, and they did so with both passion and compassion. I think one of the things lacking, and I please understand that I, I never want to come off as beating people up. I speak of myself. One of the things lacking, I think, in the church today amongst Christians today, is a compassion. Just a compassionate heart. It's Paul saying in verse 10, concerning those impoverished believers in Jerusalem, he said, I was, I was eagerly wanting to help them. I, I was eagerly wanting to. Paul had a compassionate heart for people. Think about it. If he didn't, would he even bother? If he didn't love the Corinthian church as much as he did, would he have even bothered? If he didn't love the churches in Galatia, would have he even bothered? Paul was a lover of souls. 
Paul loved people. One of the things the Lord is ministering to me in my pastoral ministry is this love for people that I would have that love for you that God has for you. Have that compassion, that that love for you. What if I told you that the grandest and greatest display of Christ-likeness is compassion? What if I told you that the first characteristic and proclamation of the nature of God is compassion. You would think it would be justice. I'm a God of justice, omnipotence, omnipresence. No, compassion. Exodus 34, verses 5 and 6. Listen. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. I like that. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate. The Before anything else. Now watch this. And gracious God. Does not grace come from compassion? In other words, everything else on this list, and we're going to read the rest of it, but everything else on this list comes from and because of compassion. The compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger. God doesn't have a short fuse. Can you imagine God having a short fuse? You pray, Father in heaven, what? Oh, is this a bad time? I'm so, Listen, I'm sorry to bother you. <laughs> He's got a lot on his plate. Obviously God. He's God, right? He doesn't have time for little old me. He's slow to anger. And he's abounding in love and faithfulness. I would submit that it's when you are compassionate that you are also gracious. You are also slow to anger. You are also abounding in love. And you're also faithful. It all comes from a compassionate heart. And if you want to do this, just flip that around and do the opposite. How about when I'm not compassionate? I'm not gracious. When I'm not compassionate, I'm not slow to anger. I'm quick. I'm impatient, intolerant, incessant. I'm not abounding in love. If there's no compassion, there's no love. It's this last one that I want to spend the remainder of our time on today in verses 11 and 12. And this one's hard, so you're going to have to bear with me. Paul now turns a sharp corner of sorts, and he tells them about how he confronted Peter And he opposed him to his face. In his face. Got up in his grill. Eyeball to eyeball. And confronts him. Why? Oh, well, here's here's what was happening. 
I'm going to try to bring it into the context so that it's a little bit more uh, understandable in in terms of our day and age. Let's just say that after the service, you're out here eating at the potluck, and uh, Peter shows up. And you're like, whoa, talk about respect for a person's right favorite to be the apostle Peter's here, dude, no way. Well, anyway, let's just say that Peter comes and he sits down at one of the tables with you. And he starts breaking bread with you, which by the way, in that day, in that culture, it's the same way today in the Middle East, in my culture, the Arab culture, in the Jewish culture, when you break bread, that's intimate. You're forming a, an unbreakable bond. That's why whenever we partake together of the communion, it's a common union. That's what the, it means more than just eating with somebody. You're, you're bonding with them when you eat with them. And so back then, it was unthinkable for a Jew to eat with a Gentile. So here's Peter eating with Gentiles. Oh, this is delicious. Wow. I'm going back for more of that. I don't want to say what, because we're going to be hungry if I do. So let's just, you fill in the blank. So I'm going to go back for seconds. You come back to the table, and then in walks Paul. No way. And as soon as Peter sees Paul, he gets up from the table and pretends like he doesn't even know who you are. And leaves his plate there because he doesn't want to be seen eating with you, you filthy Gentile. That's what was happening. And Paul's like, are you kidding me? Peter, dude, uh uh-uh. What are you doing? Oh, oh, I know what you're doing. It's called fear of man. We talked about that, didn't we? Fear of man is a trap. Being a man pleaser is a trap. You're trying, you're afraid of them because they're the legalists that say Jews should never eat with Gentiles. Well, wait a minute, Peter. You could put your name in there if you want. I already did put my name. Very convicting, by the way. In Christ, there's no distinction between Jew, Greek, Gentile, Arab, Chinese, Japanese, Vietnamese, Polynesian. Should I go on? Again, one of the things that was so powerful for me was at the Brooklyn Tabernacle. This is Brooklyn, New York. Come on. Okay? You've got... This is the one time I wasn't the only Arab in a church. And I, I just, that alone blessed my heart. I, there are more of my people. <laughs> and we're all praising Jesus together. Black, white, brown, yellow. I don't care what color your skin is. I don't care what your background is. I don't care if you used to be a drug addict or if you still are whatever you are or whoever you think you are, in Christ there's no distinction. And here Peter's making that distinction. That's a problem. That's a serious problem. And he has to confront it, and he does so with a holy boldness. A holy boldness. A sanctified boldness. And it takes boldness. And is this not one of the most difficult things for us to do as Christians? is to boldly confront someone who's doing something that is causing people to stumble, that's confusing people. 
That's a salvation matter, by the way. This, this, is a, this has to do with salvation. And listen, very important. Notice that he publicly confronts Peter. Oh, he met with the esteemed leaders privately prior. Why is he meeting and confronting Peter publicly? Because what Peter did was public. And that takes even more boldness. I can, I'm, I can be more confrontational privately. But boy, try to be confrontational publicly, that's really hard. That's really hard. To take a stand for righteousness. And again, Paul had to. Why? Because this was a matter of salvation. This was the problem there in the churches in that day. Oh, fine. Oh, you got saved. Praise the Lord. Now you need to get circumcised. You know what we could say today? And we talked about this last week. Oh, you got saved. Now you need to get baptized. What? You mean in, in Paul's day, I get saved. And in order for me to go to heaven, I also have to get circumcised. Today, we've replaced circumcision with baptism. So now there's this regenerational baptism false teaching that says, okay, you get saved, now you must be water baptized also. Something you have to do. They're adding to the gospel, and it's no gospel at all. Let me just go on record and and say very clearly that when Jesus said, it is finished, it was finished. Period. Not comma, not semicolon. It is finished. It's the finished work on the cross, and there's nothing else that we have to do. And praise the Lord for that. Can you imagine? I have to get a degree in quantum physics to go to heaven. Shoot me now. I'm done. Are you kidding me? The truth of the matter is, Paul cared enough for Peter to say something to Peter. The wounds of a friend, the Proverbs say, are faithful, but an enemy multiplies kisses. That's a true friend that cares enough for you to speak the truth to you. Here's the bottom line in closing. If we're ever to have the hope of resolving relational problems, we must have a holy boldness. In other words, If we really care for and love them, we have to tell them what they need to hear, not what they want to hear. Whether it's the pastor in the pulpit, that's me, or the person in the pew, that's you. Sorry if I'm pointing at anybody. So I'll just go all the way around so nobody feels like they're singled out. You and you and you and you and you. We must speak with power and boldness, and the power and boldness of the Word of God. I want to close with one passage that God has been really speaking to me through in Jeremiah chapter 23. I want to read verses 28 and 29. Listen. Let me actually let me just set quickly the, the scene here. Jeremiah is the weeping prophet, and in Jeremiah's day, there were these false prophets that were only telling the people what they wanted to hear. They weren't proclaiming the Word of God. They were talking about 
their dreams and their visions, and they were telling stories and just telling the people, all is good, everything's okay, it's all fine. And so through the prophet Jeremiah, God says, the prophet who has a dream, let him tell a dream. And he who has my word, ah, let him speak my word faithfully. And then he says this, very interesting. What is the chaff to the wheat? Listen, I grew up in a small farm town, and wheat harvest uh, was, you know, every, all, all the kids would work in the, in fact, they would delay school just to finish the harvest before they lost the crops, which, by the way, is a very fascinating uh, picture of when Jesus said, the harvest is ready, but the laborers are few. And it's urgent. And pray to the Lord of the harvest to raise up more laborers so we don't lose those crops. That's a very interesting uh, comparison and analogy. So, but... When they would harvest the wheat, they would take the straw, the chaff. It's nothing. It has no weight. And it would separate from the the grain, which has the weight and has the power, that seed, the grain. And so he's likening these false prophets who are only prophesying their vision, their church growth vision. It's just chaff. It has no weight. It packs no punch. And then he says, Is not my word like fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? This doesn't mean that we hammer people and beat people. No. But it's like the proverb says, A gentle word breaks a bone. That still small voice of the Holy Spirit And the holy word of God can break the hardened rock of our hearts. But it only comes by way of the word. Boldly spoken, boldly proclaimed. And only then will it have the needed effect. I'm going to just say this, and maybe this is for somebody here today. Maybe this is a word for the Lord, from the Lord for you. You have a situation in your life. Could it be that the only thing that stands in the way of you resolving that problem is in here? A specific word from the Word of God. We're so glad you joined us today for Pastor J.D.'s continuing teaching in the book of Galatians. If you'd like to learn more about the Apostle Paul's letter, we encourage you to continue reading ahead. As you do, ask God to reveal the truths and promises contained in its verses to you. He will point you to the passages that he knows you need to read. You can also hear additional messages from Pastor J.D. on this book by visiting our website in spiritandtruthradio.com. Listen online or download these teachings to have available anytime. We've created a mobile app as well for Apple and Android devices, so you'll be able to take Pastor J.D.'s teachings with you on the go. We'd also like to tell you more about the Mideast Prophecy Update tab on our website. 
As followers of Jesus Christ, we are all eagerly anticipating His return to earth. We believe it's coming soon and that many events happening around the world right now are fulfilling the prophecies of the end times detailed in the Bible. Each week, Pastor J.D. takes a look at these events and what God's Word has to say about them and shares that information with us in the Mideast Prophecy Update. The purpose of these updates aren't to scare us, but to remind us how important it is that everyone know the redeeming hope of Jesus. These updates are new every week, so visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com to access the latest installments. That's all we have for today, but be sure to join us next time on In Spirit and Truth for more from the book of Galatians. Keeping me right with you, holding me true.